Hey everyone, you're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we're wrapping up our Last Kingdom coverage with the final episodes of Season 5. Hello, Daria. Hi, Jenny. Hello, listener. Welcome back to Hotel Vicarious. We are finally here. The third and final part of our Last Kingdom Season 5 recap. The end of an era. I truly cannot believe that we are finally here. I know. It's odd I mean, I guess we all sort of, in in some ways, we all sort of wish that there would have been more and more and more seasons, Wow, (laughs) you know, but we still have a movie to look forward to. We do. That has finished filming. So there is a very, very good chance that we could get this 2023, early 2023. Yeah, I think so. That totally, I think that totally is fair. Though I have no idea what that movie's going to look like, or who's going to be in it, or what it's going to cover. But at the very least, we will have two hours of Uhtred mm-hmm. of Vebenberg left, who is actually now officially Uhtred of Vebenberg. So. Yeah, exactly. Though one could say he's always been Uhtred of Vebenberg in his heart, Daria. Always. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, well, we do know that Finnan and Citric are both there with Uhtred. I think based on, like casting spoiler and i we saw them james northcote as well um, oh yeah i yeah you're right yep but no word really on like stephanie martini or um eliza butterworth oh yeah or um timothy ennis who plays yeah. edward um I, I don't know about him I, I don't think so because if they are if, I mean, obviously there's lots of speculation, so spoilers, spoilers, skip forward if you don't want to listen to spoilers. Um, there's obviously lots of speculation about when is good, like what will this two sort of two hour movie, whatever, however, we're assuming it's two hours, but we don't really know how long yeah it's gonna be um, if it's about like the actual final sort of coming together of England um, under King Ethelstan, um, who as of right now is still a bastard. (laughs) Um, You know, if they've jumped ahead that much, you know, a a lot of people will be dead. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So like Edward (laughs) will be dead because he is, that's the only way that Ethelstan could be King. Uh, So Edward would be dead. Um, Elswith would be dead unless she's like some sort of magical witch at this point who like does not age, which given Uhtred's stance on aging, maybe true. I know. I'll be curious. Like, will we get Silver Fox Uhtred in the movie? Do we want to get right into it? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get started because we have some very action packed, dense totally those to get through so let's yeah do it okay so uh in the last episode it ended pretty heartbreakingly 
with the death of Brita um, after she's been shot through the chest um, with an arrow by Siora. <laughs> and much to Trit's horror. So uh, episode eight kind of opens right up with Uhtred, you know, burning Brita's body and sort of this funeral pyre. And and he's, despite the fact that Stiora has just killed the woman he loves, he still is like, wants Stiora to come back to Rumkofa with him. You know, he wants to be a family, but sh- <laughs> no can do, daddy. <laughs> no can do. It's, um... I don't know. I mean, it's like one of those things where obviously my sympathies are with Uhtred because he really just, this is not the outcome he wanted. Um, Yeah. But Stuart is a lot like him and she has a lot of those very strong feelings and he's just got a little bit of, you know, he's getting it back a little bit, which is my favorite part about him as a father. (laughs) Yeah, well, like, it's true. It's like, let's remember season one of Last Kingdom when Uhtred was all pissy pants and, like, ran off to, I don't know, where was it? Um, Brittany? Or where did he go with, where when he met Isolde? Where did that, where, where did they go? That was in Wales. Was it in Wales? Yeah, she was a queen to a welsh king okay so yeah so yeah they just like went to wales and like were raiding wales because he was like mad at his wife or something mm-hmm. so it's like this is total Uhtred behavior it it truly truly is and it's so it's also heartbreaking because Uhtred is trying his hardest to bring his family back together after all of the torture that brita has put them through but stiora yeah. it's like he forgets that stiora is a woman who had a marriage yeah. for 10 years or, you know, yeah. take whatever the time jump was. Sure, sure, But a sure. significant amount of time. Yeah, to build a life with Sig Trigger. She just lost that. So, like, it's it's a lot of grieving. We and she's just... Cut her a little slack, yeah. dude. She's just not ready. Hey, Uhtred, remember when um, your wife died in childbirth and you fucked off and left your children to be taken over by King Alfred? Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> like, come on. Come on. Uh, yeah, so Uhtred, you know, can't convince her. And she basically is just like, peace out. I'm leaving with my people. Yeah. And like, good for her for having <laughs> such a dedicated group behind her. And like, it says something about who Sig Trigger was and definitely says something about Stiora that these folks are still willing to, to follow her. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the thing is, it's funny because, you know, technically, Stiara is only half Danish. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and and so she's not even, like, you know, but I think you're right. That does say something to that they really, despite the fact that she is only half Danish, she embodies the Danish life to the degree that they're willing to follow her. Yeah, though I do find it so interesting that her sort of understanding of the Danish culture and her, like, feelings about it have kind of changed. Because you remember mm-hmm, in I do. season four with Sig Trigger, she's like, I am both and I can be both and it's okay to be both. And, like, we are all yeah. evolving and yada, yada, yada. Um, so it is interesting that, like, being with Sig Trigger and 
building this life in Everwitch definitely pushed her more towards the Danish side of things. And, I mean, who can blame her when Edward is Edward? And, like, yeah, the way you might feel about the Christians and the English is, like, really based off of who's leading and who's in charge and what the roles are, you know? Yeah. And if it's the guy who gave you up to the Danes <laughs> as a marriage gift, basically... Maybe after a while you like start to be like, Meh, I don't like this guy a lot. <laughs> Despite the fact that you are enjoying your life. Like, you know, that's not to say that she was forced to go with Sig Trigger. Yeah. But at the same time, they did just give her up. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Absolutely. Like, yeah, we can't forget that. That Edward and Applefled were like, okay, bye. This will yeah, be good yeah. for us. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, basically, um, you know, Uhtred um, returns to to Everwitch after, you know, um, burying Brita and, or burning Brita, I guess, sorry. And, you know, he wants to go back to Rumkofa. And <laughs> he's kind of met with a little bit of apprehension, <laughs> And kind of like dissent almost uh, from his men um, who really don't want to do that because like Rumkofa does not really exist anymore. No, it's whatever safe haven it was, is it's no longer. Like w- once those villages are attacked, it is so hard for, for townspeople to kind of come back from that because it's just like Jesus. Yeah, so I mean a lot of the... The Danes who were living in Rumkova have fled to Wessex, you know, and sort of there are there is nothing left for any of them in Rumkova. And I think that's kind of hard for Uhtred because it's just another place that's been taken away from him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not, where is he going to go now? Know. You know? So, yeah, it's kind of like you don't really, at that point, you don't really know. And then we move back to Bevenberg where we see Ethelhelm and Elfweird are reunited uh, when Elfweird and Father Benedict arrive in Bevenberg. Yeah, and like it's it's like one of those I don't know, is it a trope when like all of your villains are kind of together and like they clearly just like detest each other and you like watch them sort of like open I know it is kind of great. Like it's such a fun and I know it's, like, not fun because obviously a lot of serious shit is happening. But every time I see Ethelhelm and Wittgar in the same scene together, I, <laughs> I know. just love it. I love hating them both. It's amazing. I know. It's true. It almost feels like, you know, in, like, those, like, Saturday morning cartoons or, like, Looney Tunes when you would have all the bad guys together. That's exactly when you mm-hmm. say that. That's exactly what I think of like just ridiculousness so basically uh right after Elfweird and father benedict arrive elfwin actually is brought to the fortress by the guy who escaped uh elswith and edith and it's kind of you know ethelhelm kind of at that point sort of reveals his plan to elfweird about rebellion against edward and 
you know, but this, and who he, he kind of seems, and, and Elf Weird kind of is at this weird spot in his life, right? Because in the last episodes, we kind of saw he's a bit, he's a bit mad at Edward, you know, for remarrying Agafew right after his mother has died, you know, so he's not super team Edward at this point, but he's not super team Ethelhelm, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, I would concur there for sure. Which, I mean, I'm not even sure Ethelhelm is team Ethelhelm at this point. Like, I think, <laughs> I think after the death of his daughter, sorry, the murder of his daughter murder. by his hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I do think he's just sort of like a chicken with his head cut off. Like, he doesn't know which way he's going and he's trying, desperately trying to make this plan yeah. work and, you know, definitely not seen super clearly yeah he's kind of you're right he's just kind of trying to grasp for control like sort of wherever he can and and it's all a bit like wild but then we then we have father benedict who has kind of been this sort of playing all sides yeah most confusing new character we've seen in a while right he kind of he ratted on ethel fled when she had cancer to Ethelhelm. He took Elfweird to Babenberg, but then he like leaves and then he goes to Etherwich to like warn Edward about what Ethelhelm is planning. And so it's just like, I guess he just maybe sees that as a way to get out from under Ethelhelm's thumb in some ways. Maybe I'm not sure. It's so confusing. Yeah, it is kind of, it's weird. And it sort of just makes me feel like he's a very convenient plot device. And, and like, yeah, frankly, kind of one of the weakest points of the entire season. Yeah. Which, like, um, it wasn't. No shade to the actor. He's really talented. No. And, like, yeah. I think there's actually so much potential for him. But his role this season was, like, very annoying Shakespearean bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. I that I would agree. <laughs> so Edith and Ellsworth finally arrive at Etherwich after having killed one man oh. and the other man escaped. And it's still one of my favorite scenes of the whole season. So good. So they arrive uh, to tell Edward that Elfwin has been kidnapped by Ethelhelm's man, I guess basically. And, but Edward is kind of like, mm, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm overplaying my hand with Ethel Health. <sighs> and it's like, bro, do you even know what to do? I, I know. I can't like, if this was Edward last season, right? Like <laughs> fresh to his, you know, reign, sure. I would say, okay. This sort of, like, wishy-washy, I don't know what to do, help me thing would make a little bit more sense. But, like, Edward has clearly been doing this now for a decent chunk of time. And I just feel like yeah. he would be more secure in his decision-making. And to, like, constantly be, like, a little, like, wispy willow of trying to figure out what to do. And, like, yeah. you know, it's... I'm like, come on, dude. Be consistent. <laughs> I know. Though I was really just thinking, like, season four, he's already been a king for, like, ten years. 
<laughs> true. Uh, so like by this by by season by this time, it's been like twenty years he's been a king. Yeah. So like get your shit together, bro. I know. Like truly. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot of like good things to say about Edward for the rest of this. No. Um and, and like <laughs> sorry we love you tim well yeah but we hate edward like just just <laughs> a shout out like timothy and s does an incredible job at playing edward oh so good like so good from when he was an itty bitty baby edward to like grown ass full beard edward like he does an incredible job displaying that kind of like growth um i just love to hate him yeah, exactly. I was gonna say we just love, love, love to hate you. Yeah, uh, he's a so, good go. <laughs> he is. He totally is. He 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 really is. Um. So with him not, you know, really wanting to do anything or go after Elfwin right away, you know, Ellsworth is kind of like, yo, Utrid. I know you've done all these things for my family in the past. You know, you saved Elfled from, you know, the Vikings mm-hmm. <laughs> all the way back. You know, can you save Elfwin? And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, I have to put my family first. And at that point, I'm like, what family, bro? What family? Mm-hmm. Like, what family? I guess he means young Uhtred at this point. Um, because Stura has basically forsaken him. And then he has this other son that he's not allowed to talk about. <coughs> So, you know, he's kind of like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else for this, your fucking family, basically. (laughs) Um, Until Father Benedict arrives. Yep. (laughs) And he's basically like, yo, Elfwyn, she's at Bevenberg. (laughs) And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is convenient. And, like, I feel like there's this one scene where, like, you can almost see the wheels in Ellsworth's head turning, being like, oh, like, oh, this just works in my favor so much better. (laughs) Um, You know, and then we have this sort of, like, moment between Perlig and Uhtred. And, of course, you know, Perlig is just trying to be like, you know, maybe... This is God's way of like giving you what you want, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, Utrid is like, huh, well, maybe. <laughs> like he doesn't outright deny it, in which is like a kind of a first for Utrid. Yeah, I know. Which is, I mean, I think at this point Utrid doesn't really like. He's so. I think he just feels bamboozled by everything, so he doesn't really know which way he's going right now. I know. So Utrid. Is like, okay, I have this plan. Edward, we're gonna like combine Wessex and Mercia. We're gonna head off Constantine at the Scottish border. We're gonna cut off Ethelhelm from his ally. And we're gonna turn on Bevenberg and defeat them. And I'm gonna take Bevenberg and I'm gonna rule Northumbria in your name and fulfill your dad's dream of a united Saxon England. <laughs> like, basically, it's a really good plan. It's a okay? great plan. And, like, sometimes Uhtred's plans are not great. And this is actually a, a pretty good plan. Good one. I know. And Edward is like, nah. Nah, bro. I don't want to do that. <laughs> He's like, 
you know, I don't, uh, I don't, like, let's just, like, you know, like, split it up. Let's just, like, you know, we'll give some, we'll give some land to Constantine, and we'll take some for ourselves, and then, you know, it's over. And this part is so great. What happens next? Because, like, you know, once in a while, people will side with Uhtred. And, you know, but then it's always like, he's always like the odd man out, kind of. He's always like the dissenting voice, right? And in this moment, it's so great because everyone, like most especially like Ellsworth and Aldhelm and, you know, Perlig and like obviously Finnan and Citric and like even Ethelstan oppose Edward's idea. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most touching scenes for me when like basically Edward says like, well, Ethelstan, what do you choose? And he fucking chooses Uhtred. Yep. Just like, yes. Uh, And you know, you never know, like obviously Ethelstan has been trying to sort of have some relationship with his father. So, you know, for, for a second you're like, which way is it going to go? Yeah, because you think maybe, because, you know, at this point he's been made the captain of the guard of in Aylesbury, right? Yeah. And, and so Edward has given him a little bit of power. And, I mean, he did also almost have him killed, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, you know, and so you're, yeah, you're right. It's, there is a moment where you're like, okay, well, he technically, you know, he's got some power. Is he going to kind of side with his dad? And No. <laughs> No, he's on the side with his true father, Uhtred of Edinburgh. And, like, let me just say the visual of Edward sitting alone on the throne. Yeah. Coupled with every single major character. Every single major character standing in, like, a defensive line. I know. Behind Uhtred. It was, like... It was so juicy. I mean, it was like <laughs> I know. It almost felt like <laughs> almost felt like fan service. Like it was just yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, so, so good. I loved it. Yeah, and it was. It, it was so good. And then you know, so he's like basically he's like ordering them like to be held at sword point, and like he's like close the gates. No one's leaving the city. If you do, you'll be killed. And Aldhelm finally finally is like the armies of Mercia will march for Northumbria, even if we have to break down the gates. And it's just like, oh, this is what Ethel Blood would want. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, we've spent so much time in this show sort of suffering with Uhtred throughout all of the political decisions that have been I made. Know. Like, we very rare. I mean, like, Uhtred really has to fight hard to kind of do the, like, right thing. So to get this sort of, like, really emotional crescendo of a moment where everyone's, like, <laughs> rooting for, for him. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and it's to save Elflin from being married off, you know, without yeah. her consent. So the cause is, you know, exactly what we want it to be. So to me, I'm just like, <laughs> I know. It is so great. It's just so, so, so great. Yeah. And so that's kind of where episode eight ends. 
And then basically it's the next morning and like the armies of Mercia are literally preparing to like fight their way out of Efferwich. Um, if they have to against Edward's army. And then we get this really interesting moment yeah. between um, Ellsworth yep. and Agafu. Oh, I can never remember. Well, it's a toughie. <laughs> I know. Um, so they meet, right? They do. Well, it's like Ellsworth kind of just like invades her space and she thinks she's looking for Edward, but she's like, no, no, I want to talk to you. Right. Yes. And she kind of like, what, what would you say? Like, she kind of just like, we don't really see what they talk about though. Do we like, it's kind of just like, sort of just like hinted. (laughs) She sort of, you know, hints at the fact like, this is what's the, what's best for everybody. And Mm -hmm. like, she sort of manipulates her into this, you know, idea of like, this is what our role is. This is what we do as wives. And like, Mm-hmm. You know, you have power here, and like, shouldn't you think now of your baby? You know, right? Like, yes, yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. make these decisions, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I think between Agafew having sort of been, like you said, manipulated by Ellsworth, to and then Ellsworth herself, they do end up sort of convincing Edward you know, to let the armies, the Mercian army, go along with Uhtred. And finally, he does relent and stands down. And they and Aldhelm and and Uhtred sort of lead the armies out of Efferwich. Uh, And then, of course, because he doesn't want to look like he's not, you know, like he's the only one sort of not doing it. All of the Wessex army is there waiting. And Edward is going to lead the combined armies uh, to Bebenburg, which is like... Oh, such a, it's such an Alfred thing to do. It is such an Alfred thing to do. Yep. You know what I mean? It was like, it was full on like, yeah, it totally reminded me of Alfred in that moment when he was like, you know, okay, fine, you can go. And he's like, but I'm coming with you. Yeah. This is like ridiculous, but I loved it. <laughs> well, because it becomes so real at that point. Like, We've seen Uhtred sort of make this attempt before, and he yeah. didn't really have sufficient support, and now he has the Mercian army and the Wessex army, and he has all of his men, mm-hmm. and you feel like, okay, I think I think we got it now. Like, I think this is actually going to happen. This is it. Yeah. And also, we know that there's only a, an episode and a half left, so he better freaking get Babenberg right. by the end of this show. Yeah. Sort of or like, what has right. it all been for? Jesus Christ, if we don't get it here, you know? like Right. Uh, and so, on the road north, they encounter Kinleff, who, we still don't know where he's been. We truly don't know. He's definitely not been marrying Elfwyn, that's for sure. <laughs> He's just been like wandering the country. I don't understand. Like, I don't know where I, I feel like I missed something like a reference to him earlier in the show because like, I'm just do not understand where he was anyway, but he has like some information that Constantine has been spotted boarding a ship, but the thought of him braving the treacherous seas to come to Bebenberg are dismissed. 
but um, it's true. Um, he has come to Babenberg by boat uh, with his household guard, but his army is following on land. Basically, once they realize that sort of they've been, you know, sort of outwitted by Constantine, Uhtred realizes that, you know, they can't attack Babenberg with Elfwyn um, as a hostage, right? Yeah. So they have to basically, <laughs> they have to infiltrate the fortress somehow uh, and rescue her before the army attacks. So, Daria, I know this is one of your favorite parts, <laughs> so please. Um, this is where I sort of feel like the writers in the room were like, let's just do something crazy. <laughs> and then... <laughs> These three men who we know and love, but also understand that they're just normal human men. Right. What if we had them scale a rock wall? <laughs> what if I we know. just had them climb up a mountain with 20 pounds of weaponry and leather and just like use our little fingers and climb up the wall? I mean, like, I was sitting there going, no. No, they're not really going to climb up that wall. Like, And obviously they were trying to use the little secret passageway that like sort of let them, you know, walk around on this like little tiny ledge. And yeah, obviously that idea goes to shit. So they have to scale. And I just. It's so great. I mean, it's so, so funny. It's one of those moments where I truly felt like instead of it being Uhtred and Finnan and Citric, it was Alex and Arnis and Mark. (laughs) I know. I know. I truly, I know. Like the part where Finnan is hanging. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. Actually, because that was in the trailer and we all thought Finnan was going to bite it. We all really thought that this dude was going to die. But they pull him up, and Citric has this, like, big shit-eating grin on his face. And I'm just like, that's Arnis. Yeah, it's like they're, it's not, they're not even trying at that yeah. point. They're just having too much fun, which is so great. But it I loved it. It was so good. It does. It, it works. They, so they, perfectly. I, I, yeah. And the CG, I mean, like, everything about that scene was great. I really just loved it. Loved it. Yes. Yeah. Now, before that happens... One of the things um, is that they go to, it's like, I don't know the exact term for it, but I feel like it's like a place that houses nuns. It's not really a convent, but it's kind of a convent. Yeah, it's, well, because it's like. But it's kind of a school. Yeah, it's like. It almost feels like its own little mini village or something because there's like a marketplace, yeah, like a trading area, yeah, there's space for kids to kind of run around, and then there's the nuns. So it's almost like the nuns are kind of leading this little bazaar with, you know, yeah, um, and it's like where they live, and finally we see after so much hope uh we see our girl hild oh my god she's alive thank god one episode a season since season three i know i know but we did get her um and it's so great to see her and one of the things that one of the things that she says to utrid is are you here to see him (laughs) and he's like no no not right now 
or something like that. Doesn't he say or not, not today or something like yeah. that. And we of course assume that that is, he's talking about his son, Osbert, who, when um, him and young Uhtred were talking about it in episode five, you know, you know, he doesn't talk about, they don't talk about him because he's sort of hidden um, to like protect him from obviously Umbrita and others. But the person he is looking for is Heston, who has kind of been living, um, and I found it's Lindsfarn is the name of the... That's it. It's Lindsfarn Castle, I think, or Lin- is the name of the place. Um, so he has been living there um, basically as like sort of a trader, trading with like um, Danish Danish raiders and stuff, or like whoever, I think, is kind of, he's just like... Basically, he's just given up the life of fighting, and you know, he just he just tr- does trading, and he actually is there because he brought Alice, mm-hmm. the girl who was with Elfled, Elfled, yes, Elfled, uh, when she was killed by her father. Uh, Alice is the the prophet, yeah. or whatever they call her, yeah, visionary, visionary. visionary. Yeah. Um, so she's there um, and she's she's obviously thriving and she's she's good. And Heston had brought her to Hilt, um, which I kind of love because it's it's kind of like, you know, clearly Heston and Hilt have have some sort of like weird friendship, which is kind of great. Yeah. And I, I think it really sort of stems from the fact that Heston sort of stopped pillaging, <laughs> stopped yeah. dating. Um, and yeah. the fact that he's, like, married and has many children and just wants to make money and, like, sell his wares, like, I know, he's not dangerous so anymore. But yeah, exactly. So, Uhtred does basically ask them uh, to pretend to be shipwrecked trader, to ask Heston to be a shipwrecked trader, um, to sort of lure Whitgar down onto the beach, and that's when he'll signal Edward to attack. Then we get this, like, great moment. Um, there's two sort of two things that happen. There's a moment between Constantine and Elfwin, which is great. And then there's, like, this hilarious moment between Uhtred, Finnan, and Citric when they, like, get inside Bevenberg. And, like, there's so... So the first one we'll talk about. Um, so Constantine, he wants to meet Elfwin in private. Yeah. And... Which, I mean... Our introduction to him thus far has been pretty interesting um, in terms of, like, the way we've seen kings portrayed in the show. Yeah. He seems to be a pretty chill dude. Like, yeah, you know, and so when this sort of scene happened, you know, uh, we're, we've been sort of conditioned to see men who have that kind <laughs> of power be evil motherfuckers. Yeah, no, for sure. They totally make him out to be, like, a super scary race, rapist. Yeah, and then... He's not at all. a very joyful all. surprise that, like, yeah, he's a respectful he, man. He is, and he actually has a... Like, he's in love with someone else. He has a woman, you know, and he... This is, like, sort of like a marriage of convenience for him only with Elfwin. Um, he'll never force himself upon her, like, you know, which is so bizarre yeah. Um, in terms of like what Elfwin has also been conditioned to know of men. I know it's, it's, 
Yeah, again, like this whole scene was actually like, okay, well, if they fail <laughs> and Elfwin has to marry Constantine, like at least it'll be a respectful, non-violent relationship and she can probably do her own thing. He can do his own right. thing and it's fine. On the side, who, who knows, I, yeah. There is a moment where he asks if she loves someone or if there is someone that her heart belongs to and she does She does bring up Kinlip and he's like, all right, let's get him. <laughs> I know, it's so, I love it. it's so great. It also immediately makes Alfwyn feel safe with him specifically mm -hmm. him yeah and yeah it's it, it, it's a very interesting dynamic uh going yeah the last episode yeah it's not great um I mean it's great for Elfwin it's not great for others mm -hmm. so Uhtred, Finnan, and Citric finally get inside Bevenberg but almost right away Finnan and Citric are captured and imprisoned but not before Finnan does a very impressive Scottish accent. I love this. I love when she gets so, meta like this. It is. It was so great. So it was funny. so. It was so good to see Mark do his like actual mm -hmm. accent, his actual Scottish accent. Um, and it was so funny because he made it seem like Finnan was trying so hard, and like it was so good. It was so great. And then, of course, coupled with Uhtred wearing that stupid helmet. I mean, like, I just could not. I could barely look at him. Just full-on jokes. Like, between scaling the mountain, breaking into the fortress, the Scottish accent, the ridiculous guard costume, like, everything about this entry into Bebenberg was a fucking riot. Yeah. I was like, this is the silliest was, thing I've ever seen in the show. It was so silly. So they are captured and imprisoned, but Uhtred escapes by wearing a silly, a silly helmet. So Heston, accompanied by Hill, because she will not be left behind. <laughs> That's my girl. Successfully, uh, they pose as traitors, but are actually taken to the castle. And, you know, when, when Heston sees Elfwyn, he's trying to do the right thing because her real father was one of his closest friends. Yeah. Which I kind of forgot. Yeah. Until he's like, oh, like, it's Eric's daughter. Like, of course he's going to help. Like, do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, what was it? And that's why I was like, why? And part of me was thinking, like, what? Like, is it? What is it? What does it draw? Why would Heston do this? Yep. And then I realized what it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because it's Eric's daughter. It has... It doesn't have that much to do with money. No. The really shitty part about it, though, is that Heston is Heston. And mm -hmm. when he sees Elfwyn, just doesn't know how to introduce himself. No. <laughs> In a way that's like, not, like, strange. You know what I mean? No. And, like, he scares the shit out of her. Yeah. And so when she starts yelling for, you know, because now she feels safe with, because of King Constantine... You know, um, you know, so then Heston is kind of like, they're like, oh, shit. Is he with these other two that we've just kidnapped or we've just captured, meaning Finnan and Citric? And he's like, denies that he, does, he doesn't know what they're talking about and ends up being killed um, in front of Hild, who is like hiding sort of like up in the rafters yeah. in 
It is heart-wrenching. It is so strange how this show can make you care about characters that you might otherwise not. Like, I I spent the last few seasons thinking that Heston was just a really annoying guy. And, like, yeah, yeah. really funny and enjoyable to watch, but, like, not really truly giving one shit about him. And then in, like, literally two, two episodes this season, I was like, I know. Heston. No. I know I know it's like so true and like some people I saw there was some sort of you know discourse about how they didn't like that he sort of was like redeemed at the end but I think like that made sense because he was never really a villain no he was he was he was a trickster yeah. character we, yeah he we was kind of like a Loki yeah we said it last week he was like the Loki of the last kingdom universe like he was yeah that was his purpose was to like you know, start trouble, but there was also plenty of times that he was helpful to Utrea yeah. and Co. So you know, it's yeah, yeah. So, but and he dies because he refuses to reveal Utrid. Yeah. Um. And in that, that's what Utrid is there for. So, you know, it's uh, whew, it's harsh. Man, they just keep killing everyone off. Like every other episode, it's like I, I think let's just I know rip your heartstrings out a little bit more. Um, we could have had like a murder bingo for this season because it's like every episode we lost someone. Honestly, so while this is all happening, the Scots army has now been sighted heading for Bebenburg, and of course, fucking Edward does not do what Uther told him to do, but orders the attack immediately because it looks like there's not a lot of people. It looks like the army is small. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much miscommunication. No, I wouldn't even say miscommunication. There's just like an utter lack of trust. And like Edward can't seem to like get his shit together. And it's so. Yeah. Funny. But it's like this is something that happens to Edward constantly. Mm-hmm. Like think about in season four when he's like constantly attacking Winchester. Yeah. Not listening to Ed to, you know, they think Uhtred is, you know, in there. He's been killed or whatever. Like, it's just, he just does not, he doesn't, he just doesn't give Uhtred the benefit of the doubt. Well, it's so strange because he values Uhtred as a pawn and as a, like, oathman, but doesn't value Uhtred's strategy. (laughs) Ever. So it's like this really weird relationship where like Edward is obviously quite enamored with Uhtred and like does have some kind of respect for him, but it's just never enough. Yeah. And like he does no. not trust that Uhtred can do what Uhtred says he will. And it's he's always wrong. U- Edward is always wrong. Yeah, it's true. Um, and then finally, the last scene of the the last scene of episode nine. Ellsworth is leading Edith into the forest and that's where they encounter Siora and her Danes and ask them to help the army take Bevenberg. It is so cool that Ellsworth gets all of these interesting scenes this season with characters that like you just wouldn't expect her to have any sort of interaction with. You know, like Edith makes sense. Edith was very close to Stuart when Stuart was younger. So like there is a camaraderie and trust there, but Ellsworth? <laughs> I know, I know. 
I know. It's so good. Ah, uh, and then we've reached the final episode. We are episode ten. Reasing through these. I know. Well, you know, we have seen it a lot. We have lived it multiple times. Well, and the joy of this part really is that like we've sort of cleaned up a lot of plot threads. And now it's yeah. just save Elfwin, get Beppenberg, and that's really it. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot left to talk about other than this. Yeah. So episode <laughs> 10 opens. I know. I, I, I don't wish, actually. <laughs> I've seen what happens when shows go to season 10. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> so episode 10 opens with Uhtred desperately searching for Elfwin within the castle. And then, of course, oh, Big surprise to no one, except maybe Edward. Uh, his attack does not work when the gates remain intact. So, but learning that uh, the Scott army is close, Constantine basically orders a retreat from the walls, like allowing dozens of people to escape by the sea gate. Um, but that also includes Hild and Elfwin, um, so Hild can get her out of the castle. So basically... This is what I don't understand. So Whitgar doesn't want that to happen, but technically it's not real. Yeah. So this is where you sort of see that Whitgar got Bevenberg by sheer fucking luck of a surprise Mm. attack. Because this man has no strategy in his tiny little brain. Because it's very clear that Constantine is going to try and trap Edward's forces. Yeah. Whitgar can't see it. And so he's just like, no, that's a stupid idea. He's a Mm -hmm, stupid man. mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, so Constantine's guys are leaving the castle to basically come... Do a, like, surprise come behind. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like Edward's army will go after the ones running towards... The sea bank, and then yes. Constantine's, you know, big, big other group army that's coming will come in from the yeah. other side. Right. Okay. So basically, that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So many surprises for Edward this episode. And then you have us sitting there, like, peeking from between our fingers, being like, Are you stupid? You're going to die. You're going to fall off the cliff. Like, like please. Tr- truly, like, the Wessex and Mercian army is just, like, being pushed off this cliff like a bunch of lemmings. It is brutal. Like, brutal to see how many people die at this point. And also, like, at one point, Eldhelm just, like, goes down and, like, who knows where he is. We lose him. We totally lose him. We lose him. him. He's, he's just, like, stampeded. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know because you're just like, uh, okay, there goes Eldhelm. Yeah. So now... So Uhtred now is like, okay, the whole place is abandoned because everyone has left the actual fortress to attack Edward. But from where uh, Uhtred is in the fortress, he sees Stiora and her people like sort of up on this hill. And he rides out to her and, you know, basically, you know, she's like, I want to help. But like, look at the battle. It's lost. It's lost. Then Uhtred has this speech that is just like... Oh, my God. The speech we've been waiting for for, like, so long. You know, he talks about how if they succeed, you know, Northumbria will become, like, this new... The new Danish homeland, you know, it'll be just like 
they always, you know, all of the people that came before them intended and like, you know, a place where Saxon and Dane can live together in peace. And that, then he goes on to say about how he's a Saxon raised at a Dane and he's proof that they can coexist. And like Alex Draymond just does such a great job with this scene. I was like tearing up. I was just like, just emotionally pushed. I was, I was emotionally on the cliff just with, with Edward. I was like, don't do it to me, Uhtred. Like, it was so good. You know, so basically it's like getting much worse. And like Edward and Ethelstan are like arm in arm about to like both be pushed over this cliff. And then Uhtred and Siora lead the, the Danish reinforcement to take the Scots in the rear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So bad, but uh, and that kind of like alleviates a little bit of the pressure on on Edward and his army, and so they're able to push back, and then eventually they're able to drive Constantine uh, from the field, and they have defeated the Scots. However, yeah, we're not done yet. We are not done yet. So Uhtred sees that Whitgar is still inside the fortress. Like the little baby coward boy he is. Exactly. And so Uhtred, you know, rushes into Babenberg. He's going to face his cousin and reclaim his, you know, his rightful place as Uhtred of Babenberg. And Ethelstan follows him. I know. I know. I love him so much. Like, they only had a few episodes to really endear us to Ethelstan. And they do such a tremendous job of making him so lovable. Like, I will die. I would would die for Ethelstan at this point. I know. Me too. I am a full Ethelstan stan. (laughs) I've been waiting all seasons to say that. So happy for you. So, Ethelstan follows him into the fortress, but instead of finding Uhtred, he finds Ethelhelm and Elfweird, who are attempting to flee the fortress as well. Um, And at this point, Ethelstan basically challenges Ethelhelm to tell the truth about Elfled's death. He basically tries to sort of justify his actions. He didn't know she'd be there, but, like, Elfweird is obviously like disgusted with his grandfather at this point, realizing that he's had his mother killed. And at that point, Ethelhelm kills himself. Oh God. I know. I was so mad. I really wanted someone to kill him. Well, yeah, I wanted someone to kill him. And I also just didn't want his, like, I, it's just such a torturous scene too, because Elfweird sort of has to like learn all of this tragic shit about his, family yeah and then witness this and like his life is never going to be the same again i know and like i kind of almost wanted ethelstan to kill him yeah for his brother yeah but like then i think it would have been too weird and he would have just like blamed ethelstan maybe yeah and i think it also it it puts ethelstan into a position maybe where his character is not quite ready to go you know yeah and also but maybe it also just it kind of like talks to the fact that like he knows he doesn't have to. Yeah. He knows that Ethelhelm will do the job himself, basically. At this point, he has no choice. Because he has nowhere to go at this point. He will be killed by Edward. Yeah. If, if, if Edward finds him. After a <laughs> almost, like, embarrassing fight. Oh, my God. Between Uhtred and Wittgar. And Wittgar's, like, um, lackey, who does all of the sort of, like, fighting for him because Wittgar can't do it himself. Yeah, like, 
Poor yeah, guy. I don't know what, <laughs> like, honestly, last year's Wickar, I don't know. He got soft in the last 10 years. I am telling you, I think that because he had the surprise advantage, he had the height advantage with his bow and arrow, like, yeah, I, and he had a lot of muscle. Like, I don't, I mean, like, I think that was a really sort of lucky, lucky attack because nothing yeah. so far has proven any sort of like, no. Not at all. So, yeah, they ha- they kind of fight, and then Uhtred throws him from a balcony, and he gets impaled on a candlestick, which was, whoo, yikes. <laughs> it's it's crazy because you're like, okay, this is cool. Like, Wickar is dead. But you forget that Wickar also tried to burn Bevenberg down. So yeah. Uhtred is on fire. Uhtred is, like, rushing out into the courtyard. And is like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, oh. my home is burning down to the ground. Like, oh, great. I got it. And it's going to be nothing but like cinders. And that's when Ethel Stan finds him, right? Yeah. It, he finds him in the courtyard and they're kind of like looking at each other. And then it starts to rain. And like, what a moment. It is. What a moment. So interesting that. Uhtred has this scene with Ethelstan. Yeah. And like, so one thing that we haven't mentioned really, and I'm only thinking about it now because this poor kid I forget about, but baby Uhtred marches with the Mercian army and sort of plays this like very Baoka adjacent role. Yes, he does. In these, you know, episodes and he's clearly outside fighting and, you know, dealing with all of the Scots and and Stuart's fighting. But Uhtred has this moment in Bevenberg with Ethelstan. Mm-hmm. And it is so interesting. And I I wonder if it's because, you know, Ethelstan will eventually become king and Uhtred is sort of the king maker. But it does feel mm-hmm. bizarre that he's finally in Bevenberg and he has this moment with Ethelstan and not his children. Yeah, I think, but I also think it's, it's just sort of like, you know, if you think about everything that it took for Uhtred to get there and, you know, way, way, way back in season one, Alfred was the one who said, you know, he, he could become Uhtred of Bevenberg again. Mm-hmm. And then it's Alfred's grandson who's standing in that courtyard with him. Yeah. I just, there's so much like gives me the shivers no, when I think true. about, you know, it's just so interesting in the aftermath of this sort of, battle um you know edward has declared a great victory uh (laughs) fucking edward i swear to god um you know and he thanks utrid for like all of his you know many years of service that uh, you know the feast before um utrid you know newly proclaimed lord of northumbria and (laughs) utrid is like well you know (laughs) turns out um, in exchange for hostages, including Altel, who's not dead. Uh, <laughs> Thank the Lord. I know. Uh, the Scottish king will give up his claim to Northumbria. But in return, Uhtred has agreed that the region will remain independent between Scotia, that's how it was named at the time, mm-hmm. and England, ruled by neither. So Uhtred sort of acknowledges Edward as like their overlord and will pay him homage. Um, But 
uh, North, Northumbria will not be part of England. And it's so great. I love it so much. It's like, fuck you, Edward. Fuck you. It's like, you know, for the first time in five seasons, Uhtred gets to make a decision. I know. Without having to worry about his loyalty to Wessex. He gave this big old speech to his daughter about yeah. promising that Bevenberg and Northumbria would be this place safe for Danes, and he did it. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and he, he, you know, he, he kind of talks to Edward and he says, you know, it's the only way to prevent, you know, Scottish attacks. You know, Northumbria will remain an ally of Wessex. And eventually one day it will become part of England. But not until the time is right. So good. And of course, that means not until Athelstan takes the yeah, crown. Yeah, like not until Edward is dead, dead, is dead, dead. Yeah, because, you know, basically Edward has caused too much turmoil between the Danes and the Saxons and the Scots. You know, but eventually a king who can unite all the kingdoms will take the throne. Um, and Edward really has no choice at that moment but to accept. And I love it. I love that the entire courtyard erupts into cheers to celebrate Uhtred and Edward is just standing there like a furious little bitch. I know. It's so great. And then we have this great scene where like everyone is so happy to see each other. And, you know, um, Uhtred is like hugging Stiora and young Uhtred. Um, And, you know, we see um, Aldhelm is alive. And then Elfwin and Kinla finally reunite. And they're just like making out in the oh, yard. I'm knocking it. And then one of my favorite parts of the whole series. Yes, Jenny. When Tell us. Uhtred goes over to Edith and he's like, you know, asking her about the wounded. And, you know, and basically he's like, well, maybe you could like, you know, hang around and kind of like make sure they're okay. <laughs> and she's like, maybe I could <laughs> and then as we're like having this like flirty sort of moment Els was like you know I have heard that ocean air is really good for when you're ill and I will need a great room so like Ellsworth is also staying at Bevenberg and it's just like I just love it's so great it's just and then I just laugh so hard because like of course Uhtred would end up with both Ellsworth and Edith just like parked oh, out at Bevenberg it's so good I mean it's like he can't escape this woman now like she's decided no, because but also exactly but also it's because she, he is her only friend I know like he truly <laughs> it's only the two of them left yep. there's no one like if you think about it, from season one, yeah. there is no one left from season one except Uhtred and Ellsworth. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. That's right, right? Yeah. Or was he... Wait, was Altelm? No. No, yeah, because Altelm only showed up in season two, yeah. right? So, yeah, no. So, it was... They're the only, the only two ones. left from season one. So, I feel like they just have this sort of, like, over the course of this season. Over the course of 50 they, yeah. years or whatever, 40 years. Exactly. <clears throat> but they definitely in this season for sure has sort of solidified that Ellsworth has really come full circle yeah. on on Uhtred. Uh, maybe not full circle. Maybe that's the wrong term. She's come 180. 180. <laughs> uh, and uh, on Uhtred and, you know, acknowledges, you know, how important he has been not only to England and, and everyone, but to her family oh my God, for yeah. very many years, He's right? Been a champion so, of her of her children, her grandchildren. Her lineage, yeah. yeah, exactly. And Alfred's. And you know, she loved Alfred more than anything. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, no, so I just, I love that. I just thought it was so funny. So I hope, I really do hope that we see Edith and Uhtred, you know, ruling Bevenberg together, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and then the very last scene. Oh my God. I know. We, we see Hild and teenage boy who we can only assume is Osbert. Um, he asks sort of, he asks her, you know, um, about Bebenberg and, you know, Hill just says that the new Lord of Bebenberg will be able to tell himself, tell him something about his father. Ah. And it's just so, oh, it's so good. I do wish that we had gotten to see. Yes. Osbert and Uhtred, like, and Stiora and young Uhtred all like, together but I think I think that we'll get obviously we'll get to see Osbert and I don't even know if it's the same like it's the same actor who's going to be in the movie like he does the the role of Osbert in the last book is significant yeah so we'll it'll have to see I feel like they filmed the movie so quickly after you know like I think if they cast him for this, they're going to bring him back for the film. I mean, it just depends how much time, like, a lot of time passes from, like, when he gets Babenberg to when the last book is. Like, it's, like, another 20 years. Yeah, but I just feel like Joe is not going to (laughs) care. Yeah, okay, that's also very true. We don't really know if they're going to try and capture the end of the books or if they're just going to try and write, like, their own fresh... Yeah, exactly. Take on on Ethelstan sort of. Yeah. I mean, becoming. I imagine like logically it's going to be about Ethelstan taking over as king and so uh, that will sure. be, probably be some time jump, but Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I know. I know. Cuz it's just like the thing and you know, God knows we uh, we both love this show, but the thing that is stressful is that all of these time jumps sort of let you miss out on certain partnerships and relationships and things so it's like that are in the book yeah yeah it's also just like we finished season four with this understanding that maybe Finn and Edith were gonna have a thing and then we jumped to season five and he's married to someone new and that's fine but it's like there are like things that you want to see the characters progress in a certain way and you just don't really get to see that with all the time jumps no, and we also don't really get to see Finnan and his wife together that much yeah. either, or Citric and his wife, and they're like seven children. Yeah. Like, you know, we didn't because so much happens in this season, and of course with COVID, I think probably you know concessions have to be made, so we maybe didn't get quite as much as we could have. Yeah. But it was, it was everything I could have wanted. Yes, out of um this season pretty much like was there was no season. other way that it could have ended for Brita. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with the way it ended. Um, and that's coming from me who is like perhaps like the biggest Brita stand <laughs> um, in the entire last kingdom fandom. Um, you know, I'm okay with the fact that she died <laughs> at the end. Yeah. I think, I think her character arc, this is what made, the most sense. Yeah. And I think it being Stiora Absolutely. was sort of like a very kind of nice way to tie up Rita's arc and Sig Trigger's arc and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, love this I totally agree. Who knew? 
Oh, I know that I would love this like ridiculous historical Viking. I mean, it's not really my bag usually. And I could watch this show over and over and over over again and I I know it's incredible and this show is the reason why this podcast exists it's true everybody yep so mine and Jenny's you're welcome first first conjoined love yeah exactly though clearly actually not the first since we've discovered that we both own a mug that we purchased in 2011 uh 11 years before we met each other no No, 10 years before no uh, when did we nine? Meet? 2020? Nine years. Nine years. <laughs> How long have we known each other? Nine years before we met each other, we bought the same mug. Yeah. Which is real weird. Guys, I don't want to talk about it. It's spooky. <laughs> so crazy. It's spooky. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Daria, what else are you thinking about right now? Oh, my God. So, it's upfront season. And for those who don't know what upfront season is, it is when all of the television networks tell us about all of the amazing new stuff that's coming out in the next, you know, four to six months. And like, some of it doesn't look good. I'm just gonna put that out there. And I'm not gonna name (laughs) names. But there's some stuff coming out, you know, this fall that looks like hot garbage. Mm -hmm. But one show that I've sort of been like very excited for because she's one of my favorite comic book characters is the Disney Plus series She-Hulk. And, you know, for those who don't know, She-Hulk is Bruce Banner's cousin, and she's this incredible attorney. And her comics are definitely, like, interesting in the Marvel Universe because they're very much like the female gaze. Like, it is literally just this, like, badass attorney who, like, is dating in the city and trying to figure out her life and oh just so happens to have the Hulk gene. She sort of like functions full on in her Hulk persona and it's like just really fun and um Tatiana Maslany who is my favorite little nugget ever since the first season of Orphan Black. She's playing She-Hulk and the trailer looks good. The trailer looks really funny and um I think they're still working on the CGI so I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, but the concept looks good and there are rumors that Matt, Matthew Murdoch is coming back. So my favorite daredevil might be returning. Oh yeah. What? Wait, I saw he, he is in a little tiny bit of no way home. No way home. Yes, he is. Which was so nice. That was such a fun little moment. I was like, (laughs) yeah, no, the MCU deciding to make the Netflix series canon Thank God, because the casting for Daredevil and Punisher and Jessica Jones, so and Luke spot Cage, on. like yeah. all good yeah, except for Iron Fist. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything because I was like, but yeah, what's the one we don't talk we about? We don't talk about Iron Fist. We will talk yeah. about Colleen from Iron Fist because she's amazing, yeah. and we'll talk about Ward yes. from Iron Fist because he's sure. amazing. But we will not talk about Danny Rand because that was a. <laughs> crappy casting decision woof woof but yeah i'm i'm super excited and it's gonna be nine episodes which is interesting because all plus marvel shows have been six and i think their pacing has been terrible Mm. um so i'm curious to see if nine episodes makes it better or worse (laughs) or worse yeah yeah yeah. i don't really know i mean this new phase of the mcu has been kind of confusing for me yeah i don't really know where it's going yeah Yeah. I'm going to watch and I'm going to see and, you know. Of course. 
Yeah. Well, and it's exciting because there's some really amazing people, like, in the show. Like, Jamila Jamal is in mm-hmm. it. Tim Roth popped up in the trailer, who I was not expecting, who I love. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's really fun. You know who else is in it is um, my favorite, Angelica Schuyler, <gasps> Renee Elise Goldsberry. That's right. I love her so much. Um, and then I think Mark Ruffalo yes. is going to be in it, right? Yeah. For a little bit anyway. He's he's definitely going to be in it for a few episodes in Professor Hulk mode, which is interesting yeah. because, again, I don't understand the timeline. Like, all of the phase four stuff that's been coming out has been, I can't tell where it fits in into the like the linear mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up in the after credit scene of uh, Shang-Chi as Bruce Banner, not Professor oh. Hulk, but in oh. Hulk, he is Professor Hulk. So I don't know. But is it just like, he can kind of like turn it on and off now? Well, that's the thing. Like in, in infinity war, and Endgame, well, in Endgame, sorry, because Infinity War yeah. is just normal Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. He sort of chooses to be Professor Hulk and that's it. It's permanent. It's like a merging oh, really? of the two. I totally missed that, but. <laughs> well, I mean. It's like, sure, I miss a god of things. I don't think they're explicit about it, but I think he he basically feels like that's a permanent choice he's made now. And oh, that's what he's going to. Oh, I see. I see. Interesting. So unclear. I have lots of, yeah. lots of questions, but I'm a plot hole queen, and I just love, like, picking things apart. Yes, a plot hole enthusiast. Yes. And some exciting Brizzerton news yesterday. Woo, 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 woo. Season three has officially been confirmed as the Colin and Penelope season. I think they're going to do what we said they were going to do, Jenny. <sighs> I'm excited. Like, I think that we're going to get Colin and Penn, and yep. we're going to get a little smidgen hint of Sophie. I think so, too. In the background as, like, Benedict's yeah. little side plot to lead into season four being Benedict and Sophie. Okay. So, but I have a second theory. Okay. Give it to me. Okay. They have just very recently recast Francesca. He did. So, I have, like, just a sneaking suspicion that I have a feeling that Francesca's season now here's the thing about Francesca's season it happens almost entirely away from the rest of the Bridgerton cast right so the fact that Francesca was recast um for Hannah Dodd who is significantly older then I think it's Ruby Sparks right was the first I think that's her name um the fact that she's significantly older I think is um sorry Ruby Stokes um I think we might get more Francesca and it might just be that we get Francesca marrying her first husband Mm. because he does die Right. right so her first husband dies and then she ends up with her husband's cousin. <laughs> That's true. Because don't, because like, obviously I didn't, you know, I haven't read all of them. So it's like, yeah, Penn and Colin, Eloise and yep. Philip and Francesca and her guy all happen technically in the same. Well, year or you know, like, to be honest, I, 
to be honest, I really don't remember when Francesca's happened because it's so like confusing in terms of like when she marries John and then John dies and then she, then her whole book happens with her and Michael. And so it's, I really don't remember exactly. Um, I really don't remember exactly what happens. But, um, anyway, I just have a feeling that because they've recast the character of Francesca, we're going to see some of that too. Um, now it might be that, you know, I could see it. I could see it that they're holding out on Benedict to make people stick around. I mean, it's possible because he became a huge fan favorite after last season. He did. He's a huge fan favorite. So the fact that they're not doing it this season makes me think that either, like you said, it will be next season or they really want that they it's going to be next, like fourth season will be a mixture of him and Eloise. And because because his happens kind of like outside of London, it's kind of, it would be kind of hard mm. to like, there's nothing else going on yeah. <laughs> except Kate just having more and more children. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, one, one of the prevalent theories on Twitter is that, you know, Netflix renewed the show for seasons three and four and that yeah. they want season four to be really strong so that they can secure that renewal for the next four seasons or the next, you know, the next however four. many we Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. I, me too. I'm not, obviously, I'm not a, a loyal book reader. So, to me, them going out of order is, like, not a big deal. And I feel like. Oh, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. I'm, I'm ready for Penelope and Colin to happen because I swear to God, if Colin does not get his goddamn shit together, I'm going to punch Luke Newton in the face. <laughs> And I'll find him and punch him because, like, I cannot handle this Colin right now. I know. I know. I'm, and I'm also quite happy with the way that they've announced the, the, it's like, I know in the book that Penelope loses a little bit of weight and, like, all these things, but it seems like they're not going in that direction for the show and they're not going to focus on her weight at all. And I'm, like, very, very excited. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I guess it does. That does happen in the book. But to be honest, I feel like the bigger part of Penelope is that she just stops listening to her mother and just starts wearing the clothes that she the colors that she wants. And that does the most for her because she stops wearing goddamn yellow. Yeah, it's like she wears her hair the way she wants. She wears clothes the way she wants. and She's just all around a little bit of a glow up. And I think Colin is supposed to get the same kind of like shebang i don't know luke newton looks like such a cute little baby to me that like it's gonna be interesting i know i mean i agree except for that one picture you sent me yesterday today and i was like "Mm, i know okay i can see it i can see it i know um tremendous chemistry so i'm like very excited to see it get to that like I would like a mixture of season one and season two, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And I think if they take some of the scenes from the book, we're going to have to strap ourselves in for an adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's real good. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited. I'm excited for Luke Newton. I'm excited for Nicola Coughlin. Like, I'm very excited for her to be the lead. Ugh. 
I'm very excited. She's just so tremendously talented to go from yeah. Dairy Girls to Bridgerton, you I know, know, and I just, I really love her and I am Me so too. excited for her to be the focus because she's just so fucking talented and Penelope deserves a little romance. A lot of romance. Yeah. And I, and I, to be honest, like Nicola is going to be one of the first like plus size female leads in a show in quite a while. Yeah. The only so other I'm, one that I can think of currently is Sweet Magnolias. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, so it's, I, I'm just, I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited for us. I'm like, I'm just ready. Now I have to wait a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We'll make it somehow. We'll get there. Yes. Um, so, dear listener, we have some exciting episodes coming up. We are diving fully into our love of the rom-com. We are. Um, now that we have thoroughly depressed ourselves <laughs> with the 10th century. We gotta clear uh, we, we need a palate cleanser. Um, no offense, Uhtred. Um, and yeah, so we have some really fun things coming up and we'll be posting about those in the next little while to let you guys know what our schedule is going to be, but we think you'll be into it. Oh yeah. We've got some new stuff. We've got some really old stuff that, you know, stands the true test of time in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, if you want to listen to old episodes of ours you can find us at www.hotelvicarious.com you can email us hotelvicarious at gmail.com and you can talk to us on socials uh, on instagram twitter and facebook all at hotelvicarious if you would like to you know leave us a review rate us you know, on any of the places you listen to your podcasts, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we love hearing from you. And, um, you know, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening to us talk about Utrecht for the last three weeks. (laughs) Thank you for checking into Hotel Vicarious and we hope you enjoyed your stay.